Are you living your best life as a salesperson or entrepreneur? Or do you find you're working all the time on this hamster wheel of life while stressed out and not financially free, which is the exact opposite of what you had signed up for, especially now in this global pandemic? If this is you, you are not alone. I found myself there in 2008 when I lost everything, including my health, and had to pivot working from home for the first time with no money. I rebuilt my life from scratch, juggling motherhood and marriage to get my life back and be recession and pandemic proof today. Now we live laptop lifestyles with our kids and are poised to travel the world together. How did we do it? Join me as I share my health and wealth and wisdom secrets, tips, tools, and expert interviews to equip you to be recession-proof and live your best life. My name is Lois Kofi, and this is Healthy and Wealthy and Wise. Well, all right, all right, all right, everyone. Welcome back. Happy Friday. For those of you that are tuning in on the live, my name is Lois Kofi, and every Friday, almost every Friday, I should say, we are here with an amazing power-packed episode with an amazing expert on health or wealth or wisdom for this healthy and wealthy and wise community. Again, I'm Lois Kofi, your host, sales trainer, turned podcaster during the pandemic. And really this show is designed for you guys, the entrepreneurs, the coaches, the speakers, the authors, fellow podcasters and network marketers and living your best life. And I'm really excited. I always find these amazing guests. And I actually uh, uh, just met Jesse Brizendine, gosh, in the pandemic. And I was just on his podcast. So you guys are in for a real treat. And if you haven't been here before, you know, maybe don't know the drill. So go ahead and comment below hashtag live and where you're tuning in from. And if you're on the replay inside of my community, feel free to do hashtag replay. And ultimately, if you see value in what you're learning or hearing about today, please hit the share button um, so that we can inspire other people who right now might be going through a little bit. There's a lot happening in the world, I've been feeling it. Um, a lot of energy moving through and a lot of people are, are going through a lot. So we really want you guys to be able to also comment below later with your questions um, for our amazing guests. So Jesse, I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm going to introduce you and I'd love for you then to share more about your your why and your purpose and your passion. If you guys don't know, Jesse is a best-selling author and award-winning speaker. He's a world-renowned expert who works with individuals and organizations to move beyond their limitations, unlocking their greatness, which is so exciting, and build their Camelot, which you got to tell us more about that. <laughs> um, business leaders, Hollywood celebrities, entrepreneurs, medical professionals, and educators have hired him in breaking through their limiting beliefs, uncovering their purpose, and building thriving businesses. And I love this one. You're a fan of buffets. So I just really appreciate you, Jesse, and, and um, having you here today. So tell us more about you and your, your why and, and what you do. Yes, Los, thank you for being here. It's good to it's good to see you again, uh, especially now it seems like you found some palm trees to hang out in front of. So it's <laughs> wonderful to see that. And the the last line of that that bio cut off. It, I'm also a huge fan of professional wrestling, which this weekend for professional wrestling fans, it is a big weekend. It is SummerSlam weekend, and it's a it's basically a national holiday for professional wrestling fans. So I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> Wow. 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 That is so awesome. I want to give a quick shout out to our guest. Candy Wilson is here live and then Sean waits. Good to see you guys. So tell us more about your story and how you help people build their Camelot. You know, 
for me, I've always been fascinated with the Arthurian legends ever since I was a little kid. And it's, that fascination has evolved over time. But really where I distill down to now at this juncture in life is I think the notion of Camelot was so incredible because often, you know, mythology in medieval times is it looks like a very harsh time. And you have a lot of tyranny and disparity between ruling classes and others. And everybody's kind of just subjected to who's going to have power. And we have to rely on the powerful to defend the weak. And then through all that, there is this magical land called Camelot where it was different. There was a, it, it was built on the notion that everyone had an equal seat at the round table, not a rectangle, but a round table. And the idea with the round table was, is that no one was more important than anyone else. So the king's seat was equal to the lowliest of peasant who might come and sit at that table. And I think that that's such an incredible notion for that to have emerged. You know, the first Arthurian legend started to come out, and I think in the 12, 1300s. And for that to have prevailed throughout time, I think it's all the more relevant today. Because I, I truly believe, Lois, that the two greatest superpowers human beings have are the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel. I also believe that the two greatest obstacles to get from where we are to where we want to be to build our Camelots are the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel. And in the modern world we live in, there is a massive amount of competition for our thoughts and our feelings. And the person mm -hmm. who ultimately wins control of our thoughts and feelings, us or someone else, is ultimately going to be the one who exercises and takes control over the course of our life. And so much of my work now is really about helping folks gain control of this, and then channeling those superpowers into creating lives, businesses, relationships that they want to experience, mm. and especially in the business aspect, that it trickles down from leadership to where you now have a culture that's oriented around that. So people show up for work, they can earn a good living, they can create the, enjoy the financial rewards more anything. They show up to work with a smile on their face because they're excited to be there, and they're a little sad to leave at the end of the day because they so they feel so deeply connected and bonded to the mission of the organization. Wow, I love that. I wrote that down: the the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel, and how we're so subjected to so much through media, through well, social media, TV, um, commercials, all of the things. And I think as business owners and entrepreneurs, also we always want to keep up with the Joneses and have all these things. So where does, how do you start to drill down with those thoughts and, and feelings with people? Yeah. You know, I want to acknowledge what you just said as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as someone who has a social media presence, I wrestle with this every day because I recognize that there's always this line we have to play with of where do you stay in integrity with yourself and you use it for a greater good versus where can you fall out of your integrity with yourself and use it for the opposite of good, whatever that is for people. And I think that one of the challenges with the, the modern media model is that we have a model that is predicated. It's built on, you know, attention. So time on a, on a place, our likelihood to click and our likelihood to engage or share, you know, comment, whatever it is. Well, I've long believed that the two biggest businesses in the world, unfortunately, are fear and mediocrity. Because with fear and mediocrity, mm -hmm. it's also ultimately a way that we can exert control, right? And what better way to control someone if you are influencing the most precious resource we all have, which is time. So how do we gain control of time? Well, when we're looking at thoughts and feelings, the fastest and easiest way to gain control over a human being is to get somebody in their most primal state. Mm 
we tap into the amygdala where we're going to fight or flight, right? Where we're a reaction. And what happens when we're in flight or flight? We go from a place of being resourceful to unresourceful. We go from a place of being rational to irrational. We go from a place of certainty to uncertainty. Now, most human beings, we don't do well in these places for a sustained amount of time. It's there biologically for a reason. You know, there's trouble. Let's get away. You know, there's trouble. We have to, we have to defend ourselves. It wasn't meant to be hijacked and hardwired into some of the processes of the way we experience it through the day, but we can think of this as a conceptual example in this. If you think about the last time you misplaced your car keys, your wallet, your purse, whatever it was, what happens? There's that initial fear response. Oh my God, what happened? Right? We've clicked into amygdala, we're going into fight or flight. And then we start to assess the consequences of it. All my money's in there. My, my mortgage payment was in there. My credit cards, gosh, I could get frauded. My cell phone's gone. All the, all the information about my clients, the, my calendar's on there. What am I going to do? So it's panic, 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 panic off the top of panic. Now, we know when we're in that state, we are not resourceful. And we also know when we're in that state and we're panicked, we're not thinking rationally. We're not finding a way to solve the problem. What we do is the opposite. We start to go and tear stuff apart. We're trying to go through everything. We're calling people, you know, whatever it is we do. It's rarely that we actually find our phone or find whatever it is we lost until we stop and take a breath. We center ourselves, we ground ourselves, we get ourselves back to a place of resourcefulness and we start to get back to a place of certainty. We can retrace our steps. Okay, where was I just before? Who was I talking to? What was I doing? And when we get to that, that's inevitably when we figure out where we misplaced our keys, where we left our purse, wallet, phone, et cetera. Yeah. It's, not in the, it's not in the other version. Well, if you look at many of the models that we engage with, right, those models are designed to push that emotional trigger, that button. Rarely do you go, I, I don't know about you, I, I, don't, I try not to scan media too much. But rarely do you, when you're doing a scan of media, do you see something like, my gosh, uh, so much good is happening in the world. We have clean water wells being built and, you know, things. It's, it's very much fear and stress and anxiety and worry, which, you know, we could really go down a rabbit hole with that about now we start to trigger those more. What are the consequences of being in perpetual flight or flight, sustained emotions of fear, stress, anxiety, worry, depression? One mm. of the biggest industries in the United States is anti antidepressant, anti-anxiety industry. And so I think for us, one of the first things we can do to help us get out of that and start to get to a more resourceful place, put these things down, mm. put these things down to put some sort of, put some sort of limitation on the amount of time we spend consuming content and be really, really intentional around what that looks like. You know, if you're going to go online and you don't have a specific reason to go online, you give yourself a three minute window. I'm going to be on there for three minutes and I'm off. Mm. You know, I try to, when I'm not using this as a tool, I put it in the other room, put it in the other room, all the, everything's silenced. There's no notifications, no buzzes, no beeps, no dings, no rings, nothing. That thing does not make a noise unless I log into it. Mm. And there is a direct correlation throughout my day to how I feel in correlation to how much time I spend on that. The days I spend more time on the phone, inevitably I can feel my energy go because when the phone's in my hand, and I have a lull between calls or something between appointments. What do I do? I hop on and just scroll. Oh, what's happening? I'm really curious, right? And then I get my hit of whatever whatever is being broadcasted to me. Right, which causes that dopamine hit, which the cortisol can spike. I mean, dopamine's good in small doses, right? Stress is good in, in small doses. And it reminded me of the book 
uh, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. read that. Um, yep. Phenomenal, phenomenal in talking about the disciplines of, of uh, yeah, putting this away. We just moved. I think I shared that with you and being able to have my, leave my phone and my office in this lower level and go upstairs and forget about it out of sight, out of mind. But I didn't, I struggled with that, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, I thought I had to be on my phone uh, answering all of the things all at once. So any other tips on how to transition any, any other steps that someone could apply today that you have seen work really well for you and your clients on, on getting away from that or setting boundaries? One of the core questions I always ask my clients, Lois, is what do you want to believe to be true? Because reality is subjective, right? My reality, your reality are two different realities. You and I could be, I often tell this story as an example of this. So you have little Tommy and little Tammy, they live next door to one another. They're about five, six years old. They leave the house. They leave their houses at the same time. Little Tommy's with his bike, little Tammy's with the the family dog. Little Tommy turns left, little Tammy turns right. They each go about five, six blocks away. And once they get to about six blocks, little Tommy gets a flat tire. His tire pops, he falls off the bike, scrapes his knee, scrapes his elbow. He's hurt, he's scared. He cries out for mom and dad. He sees his blood, it's terrifying, and they don't come. He's too far away from home, they can't hear him. It's the Mm. first time he's been alone without mom and dad to come run and rescue him. His bike is broken. He's afraid of what the consequences will be for that. He's, he's, he's going through this massive emotional response. He's feeling the feelings, worry, stress, anxiety, fear. Around the same time, little Tammy six blocks the other way away. She's walking a dog. A car comes around the corner. It goes too wide. The dog's a little loose on the leash. It hits the dog and kills it right in front of her. Little Tammy's sitting there with the family dog. The dog's dying. There's blood. She's scared. She's crying out for mom and dad. They don't come running for her. She's going through all the feelings, stress, anxiety, worry. She's alone. It's the first time something's happened, a, a consequence, this fear. And they haven't been there to comfort her right away. So after they go through that initial response, they both turn around. They head back to their respective homes. Little Tommy with this flat tire, little Tammy with the family dog. They arrive home and they go through whatever happens next when they walk through the door. Now, us as outside judges, we judge that experience and say, well, little Tommy you know, a flat tire is nothing compared to the dog dying in front of you. But for two people who have never gone through an experience before like that, their Mm -hmm. emotional response is very similar because they don't have, they don't have the varying degrees of life experience, right? If little Tommy had lost the family dog at some point in his life, him getting a flat tire may not be as emotionally intense, but the emotional experience, uh, we're on the, we see the news and we see the horror that people in Afghanistan are going through. We see the looks on their faces, and those looks on their faces are some of the same looks that some of us will have when we go into the supermarket and we see someone not wearing a mask. Now, it's not for us to judge, but we do, you know, because if we look at it from a judgmental place, we'll say, well, who are we to compare what's going on in Afghanistan, what's going on here? It's important Mm -hmm. to recognize that our emotional experience is the same. So to answer Mm -hmm. your question, what are some steps that we can do? Our emotional experience is the same based off of our limited life experiences, right? We're we're feeling the same Mm -hmm. emotions. So what are some things we can do? What do we want to believe to be true? It starts with that foundation, because if we're not intentional on the truth we want to believe, then we are going to be influenced to believe the truth that is going to be most likely to get us to click or to watch or to tune in, because that's Mm -hmm. that's ultimately the model, right? The, the, The competition is for our time. It's for our emotion. It's for our energy. So I think we really need to be centered on that. 
Do we want to believe the world is this? Do we want to believe the world is that? Do we want to believe life is happening for us or do we want to believe that life is happening against us? Do we want to believe that there are solutions or do we want to believe that there's problems? Do we want to believe that there's opportunities or do we want to believe there's obstacles? So that's really, really important to identify that. The second piece with that is, is to realize that we are at our best when we have a certain level of control over our emotions and over our thoughts. And so we have to always decide for ourselves, assess ourselves, is this, am I losing control? Am I becoming resourceful going down this path? Or is this helping me become more resourceful? Am I gaining more control over myself? So if what I'll do for myself is if I find myself, because I do, I go on, I scroll. And when I find myself starting to emotionally feel in a way that is out of alignment or where I want to spend most of my time, happy, joy, resourceful, focused, optimistic, that to me is an indicator that I'm going down a path that is unnurturing for my best self. And that is, and sometimes people say, well, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be unaware. It's not that at all. I think it's very important to go through and find out what's going on and, and be informed and whatnot. And here's the difference between being informed and being in a resourceful state where you can do something about it and being informed and being unresourceful. We have 8 billion people on this planet. And oftentimes, many of us find ourselves in a place where we feel helpless and we're passively sitting back waiting for a few smart people to figure out and solve all the problems. You know, mm. hopefully, hopefully Elon solves all the problems. He figures out everything. And I think the challenge with that is, is because, again, our greatest resource, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, if we are training everybody to focus on problems, then we go out in the world looking for problems. How are we going to come together collectively for solutions? Right? It's, 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 it's a fundamental challenge that we face, whereas if we need to nurture that solution-oriented approach, because all of us have a tremendous amount of power and resourcefulness that could contribute, could contribute significantly towards the betterment of our businesses, our lives, our relationships, and the overall world at large. But it is going to be hard for us to do that if we keep, you know, what is it? You have the red pill and the blue pill in the matrix. If we keep taking the pill that keeps us tuned in and plugged into the very narrative that is keeping us from progressing and moving forward, the, the, the opposite of Camelot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. You've you unpacked a lot there, and I I want to be sensitive to. I mean, there's a lot going on, right, with Afghanistan, um, Haiti. I've been hearing things about that. The pandemic, you know, different things are already being. They canceled. I just found this out today. They canceled or postponed um, the uh, Iron Man Kona in Hawaii wow. um, from October. You know, so there's all this stuff. I'll be honest with you, I. I just, I stay in my own little world a lot of times because I can't control what's happening out there. I can yeah. only control what's happening in here. So I, I really do a lot to guard my mind and my heart because, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, right? If you send out love and not focus on the world's problems on some level, would you say that that's, that's also helpful or am I just living in a van down by the river under a rock and that's not good either? <laughs> No, I, I agree. I think what you focus on, you experience. And I'll, I'll speak to Haiti because I was in Haiti in 2010, right after the first earthquake and went mm. there for disaster relief. And what I saw in Haiti was, you know, some of the most devastating and destruction I've ever seen in my life. And that earthquake, I'm not sure what the, the tallies are on that one, but I think that one is long suspected that there was hundreds of thousands of people were killed. 
infrastructure was destroyed. When you would drive into Port-au-Prince, it, it was it was a rarity to see a building that was left standing or unscathed. So there's all that. And what I remember most about Haiti was there was a night where I was in this field and there was all these refugees that were getting shipped out of there from the bigger cities. And folks were showing up. I, I remember there was one bus that pulled up and this bus, it had what should have been a one, one and a half hour bus ride had taken over 12 hours because the infrastructure and roads were so destroyed. And the bus was overcrowded with people uh, you know, people were coming off. I remember one guy helped off. His his eye was bandaged. His head was bandaged. Another guy, his leg was so wrapped up. People were, were bleeding with broken bones and everything else. And if these folks had any possessions, anything, it was in a half full, half full hefty bag of stuff. Many of them didn't know if loved ones were alive. You know, it was already the poorest country in the world and going through this. And so there was, a, I think that night or the next night, there was one physical shelter in this area, but they wouldn't go inside because they're terrified of, being inside of a building and being trapped because they had just gone through the most horrific stuff imaginable. So they sat outside and there was a campfire that was built. And about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, I was walking across this field, Lois, and I stopped because I heard singing. I'm thinking, where, where's this singing coming from? <laughs> well, I look over and I see about, you know, a couple dozen Haitians. Many of them can't stand some of them can't even sit because they're so mangled and messed up from the, what they just went through. And they're sitting around this campfire, lying around this campfire, singing, dancing, celebrating, rejoicing, mm. praying. And mm. I sat there and I just stopped and watched these people celebrating. And what they were celebrating, they were just celebrating being alive. And it floored mm. me because I thought, my God, if anybody has any justification to be upset, angry, you know, frustrated with the world, pointing fingers, blaming governments or whatever it is. It's the, mm. and instead they chose to love, rejoice, celebrate the simple fact of what a gift it is to draw breath mm. into their lungs and for their heart to beat another beat and to have the opportunity to live another day. And I stood there watching this, I had tears just you know pouring down my face because I realized something so powerful in that moment that no matter what the circumstances are in life, we always have choice. And that what we focus on, we'll experience. And so if we choose to focus on the gratitude and the good, we will find it. And if we mm. choose to focus on all the messed up and horrible stuff, we will find it. If we choose to focus on love and hope and optimism, my gosh, there is a ton of it. And if we choose to focus on hate, pessimism, anger, we'll find it because my gosh, is there a ton of it? And it gets mined daily. And we have to be, as custodians of our own mental and emotional well-being, we have to be really conscious of what we're going to consume because ultimately what we're going to consume and what we download and accept as reality is inevitably what we're going to then begin to project and put back out into the world. I love it. Oh, you just warmed my heart. I needed to hear that today because I think it's so easy to, like I shared with you, we had a very stressful week <laughs> with a lot of things that just didn't go our way. And then I also had three friends die like in back to back to back, you know, so I was triggered yeah. with all of these emotions. And then as a parent, as a wife, as a business owner an entrepreneur, can you talk about, you know, and that's an amazing story in Haiti. I can't even, I can't even fathom, you know, singing and dancing when you've lost everything, but it's, it's, it is about what you focus on. However, what if someone is so triggered by an emotion? Like, I love your story about the, the dog getting run over. You know, if you experience the first time, that's a certain layer of trauma, right? 
But what if it happens again later or if someone sees something on Facebook, another easy example, and we get triggered by something that, you know, comes from our childhood or, or our past, how do you how do you speak around triggers and being able to be, develop that emotional intelligence to recognize it and not get caught up in the feelings and from the past? Yeah, I, and I love that question, Lois. I think that's such an important one because this is this is at the crux of what many of us struggle with. We we often think that our emotions are out of our control, and that our thoughts are out of our control, and so we we live in a world almost where we make feelings into facts. So if I feel angry, I am angry, right? And and who are you to tell me? You know, how dare you tell me that I have no right to be angry, because mm-hmm. I'm angry, and this is all the reasons why. The truth is, is that, you know, our emotions do not happen by chance, even though they seem that way, that our emotions are, we're the creators of our emotions, and we're doing it based off of past belief systems we have that we're not even aware of, the information that we're processing at in a, literally faster than we can even begin to consciously comprehend. And then ultimately, we, we digest that down at lightning speed, and we spit out this little tiny myopic bit of information, what we call our reality based off of belief systems, based off of past conditioning, based off of our emotion in the previous moment. So the classic example is, is we're driving along. We've all been there before. We're driving along. We seem to feel completely normal. It's a normal day. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start to feel sad, or we maybe feel a little angry or upset. And we just notice it. We got, wow, I feel sad. I'm angry. And then we kind of build on that anger. We start to think then about something to be angry about or something to be sad about. Because the emotion seemed like it was beyond our control. Well, if we were to back it up, go slow motion, look at what happened, what really happened probably was is you had your window down, just a hair. And as you're driving along, there was a song playing on the radio that had a certain note. And that note, while you didn't really consciously aware of it, it reminded you of a certain song. It wasn't the same song, but it was a certain song that played 15 years ago. Mm. And at that same time, you passed by a McDonald's, for example, and you got a whiff of the French fries. And that combination of that note, that auditory stimulus, and that smell, that olfactory stimulus, the French fries, came together in your mind and in the recesses of the unconscious in your mind. If any of you have ever seen the movie uh, Inside Out, there's a beautiful scene in it where they go into the memory bank and they're going and assessing all the memories. So imagine yeah. the inside of your Yeah, yes, yes. I love that movie. And so imagine your minds like that. We go in there and our mind looks and says, oh my gosh, these stimuluses remind me most of this. And at that moment, whether it's childhood or maybe it was a time that you had a breakup conversation with a past lover, maybe it was a time you're on the phone and a business deal had gone bad, because your mind goes, this is most similar to this, that gets triggered and brought up and you start to feel an emotion that had been associated with that in the past. So how do we start to move past the trigger? Because often what's triggering us in the moment is not the moment, but it's actually the information from the past. We first have to be conscious enough just to allow ourselves to be present to the fact that we're being triggered. And to again, ask ourselves that question, what do I want to believe to be true? And I have the opportunity to feel and experience anything in this moment. So what do I want to feel and experience? Because again, our emotions, feelings are not facts, they're feelings. We don't have to turn them into the modern day gospel. But if we take that feeling, we turn it into a fact and we run with it, and use that to create our immediate reality, it will become exactly that. Now, I'll give you an example. And you and I both live in Southern California, so we can appreciate this. In Southern California, it's interesting to say the least to drive on freeways. And to say it politely, (laughs) 
not all the drivers are respectful to the rules of the road. And they have their own agendas when they're driving. And so what happens is very often when you're on the freeway, people will cut you off. They will make dangerous moves. And it is not uncommon for us to return what we call a Southern California salute. And if you're listening to this, you can use your imagination of what that gesture is. <laughs> and the meaning we will often make of it is that fill in the blank didn't take care of me. They almost killed me. And then we go to work and we sit there and we tell our coworker, you wouldn't believe what just happened. This jerk on the freeway, da 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 da, it's ruined my whole morning. Yeah. When I was in fourth grade, I was in Mr. Sutherland's fourth grade class and Mr. Sutherland had this, this coin collection. And this was a coin collection that if you did well in school, you, you passed some spelling tests, whatever, you'd get a chance to sit in class while other people are doing work and go through the coins. And at some point during the school year, he told us a story about the coins. One day he was, at, he was at work a few years prior and he got a phone call that his house was on fire. He ran out of the classroom, jumped in his car and he was saying how he drove hundred miles an hour to get home because the only thing he could think about was getting home in time to save his wife and his dogs. Hmm. Races home hundred miles an hour. And where I grew up, it's a very small town. You know, there's some freeway, but mostly country roads. So driving hundred miles an hour on the freeway isn't safe, but driving hundred miles an hour on some of those roads, it's, it's a suicide mission. Yeah. They got to home and his wife was okay. His dogs were okay. And he got there just in time to watch his house, the foundation crumble and go up in flames. When the fire department finally told him that it was okay, that the fire was gone, they could go back and sift through the rubble, they began going through their home, looking for any remains. And one of the things they found under some charred bricks and boards was that coin collection, the coin mm -hmm. collection that he shared with the class. You know, it's so easy for us to believe when we're triggered that that jerk who cut us off in traffic was doing it intentionally to try to ruin our day. Because what we do is we take their action, we personalize it to justify our feeling, right? Lois cuts me off in traffic. It's Lois's fault I'm having a bad day because she made me feel angry. But if we think about that logically, would Lois really be planning her whole life around anticipating where I'm coming from on the freeway to time the physics of it, to swerve in front of me just at that exact moment while traveling 70 miles an hour to do that? What's probably more likely and realistic is Lois, maybe she just got a phone call that her house is on fire and she's trying to race home to save mm. her home and her, her dogs and her family. You know, maybe what's more realistic is we just found out that a loved one we have has a disease or we're, we're, we're running late to work and we're terrified of what would happen if we lost our job because that would mean we wouldn't be able to pay for our kids tuition or we wouldn't be able to provide treatment for our sick mother. The thing is, the truth of it is, is most of the stuff that triggers us oftentimes has nothing to do with us in the present and has everything to do mm -hmm. with how we're interpreting someone else's behavior or how we're having a stimulus from our past. If it's something for mm -hmm. our past, it's an opportunity for us to release and heal. If it's something in the present that involves another person, it's an opportunity for us to extend grace and compassion to them. Because most of the worst case scenarios that are getting us to feel those feelings have absolutely zero truth to them. And what's much more likely is they are just like Don Sutherland was in the fourth grade. They're fine trying to get home because something in their life has gone amok and has nothing to do with yeah. you. And I know we don't like to think that we're that small and insignificant to everyone else, but we really are mm -hmm. because their life is so consumed with what's going on for them, just like ours, our lives are with, for us, that they don't have time to think about us because they're trying to navigate what's going on for them. I love that. That's that's a powerful note to to end on. I, I know we're running out of time, but I, I 
I still agree with you because we just went through, I did a five-day live challenge um, with over 400 people about permission-based social selling. You never know what's going on the other side of that Facebook messenger thread or that LinkedIn message, or even when you send someone a text and you're like, gosh, why aren't they responding to me? Those, you know, Effenheimers, whatever in their mind. And we just got to have that grace and compassion for others, especially all the time. However, like right now, I think, I think that's what I've learned through the pandemic or was reminded because we get so busy in that success run for life (laughs) and the hustle and bustle, um, juggling all the things that we also got to give ourselves grace and compassion and forgive ourselves along the way. So thank you for such a great heartwarming message. Uh, and I, I know you have an amazing podcast. I know you have a, um, a consultation or a gift for our listeners today. Can you explain where they can find you um, and how they can get that gift from you? Yeah, everything online, at, going back to online, at Jesse, Jesse Brizendine, you'll find me on there, jessebrizendine.com's website. Feel free to message me. And if you want to chat about what's going on for you, if you think that I, you want to run something that's going on for you personally, professionally, and I might be able to support or give you some ideas, insights, uh, please reach out. I'd love to be able to chat with you about it. I love it. Thank you so much for all those nuggets. So you guys, uh, I'll put this in the show notes, but his website link is on the banner right now. And Jesse Brizendine, just just uh, as it's spelled also uh, in the in the title, uh, go, please reach out to him. Um, I'm so grateful to have met you and to have gotten to know someone um, here right in my backyard uh, through this pandemic in the online world. Um, so I do have one more question for you, Jesse, so don't go anywhere, but I just wanna have a couple of quick announcements for you guys as my, my tribe, my family, um, my viewers. Just wanna remind you next Tuesday, um, one of my most recent guests from last week, Jake Valentine is gonna be doing uh, a webinar on how he basically breaking down how he made $10,000 a month in three months time only through Facebook groups. So if you guys are looking to build your own Facebook group, want to be able to monetize that with excellence and integrity, um, go to groupsforcoaches.com forward slash training. And then for all of you coaches, consultants, transformational leaders, and podcasters out there, um, I'm putting this out early. This is going to be something you're going to hear about a ton over the next 60 days, October 7th through the 10th. Uh, we're going to be having my first virtual summit. And Jesse, you're invited too. It's uh, Manifest and Monetize. So if you guys go to manifestandmonetize.com, it's free. And we're going to give early access to those people who sign up early. Um, So please sign up, invite all of your friends and connections out there in the world. Again, designed to help you be inspired to manifest and monetize your best life. So, Jesse, I always close with this um, question because the the title of this show has a lot of meaning to me. um, Healthy and wealthy and wise and Yet I always love learning from my guests. When you hear that phrase, healthy and wealthy and wise, what does that mean for you? You know, I think the the thing that pops up for me, Lois, is love. And the reason I say that is I love that you pair wealth with wisdom and health. I think oftentimes we're taught to the pursuit of wealth and not even so much wealth, but success comes down to quantifiable, the amount of money in our bank account. And we've all heard the stories about people who 
have a lot of money and they're unhappy or we've heard about the lottery winners the statistic is something crazy like 90 some percent of people win the lottery end up financially worse off and depressed after they have it after they want it and so I, I like the combination because I think the true definition of wealth is when we have the wisdom and the health to go with it so that we can leverage wealth to really enjoy our life but we can leverage in a way that is impactful for others and I think that if we all do that collaboratively, there's so many incredible opportunities for all of us to do so much good in the world and to support and lift one another up. And I think that comes when we can leverage resources in a way that is for the greater good for all concerned. So that's what comes up for me. I love it. I love love. And it's the, uh, it's the only true emotion, right? If we, if we really go want to go deeper, <laughs> we could probably go for another hour. But I had a spiritual mentor who said that he's like, there's no such thing as fear, even though society and media is very addicted to it, right? Um, there's only love. And so I love that that's part of your, your perception of that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Please, again, um, you know, we, we, we covered a lot today and it was, it was so deep. I'd really love for you to hit the share button um, because there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from this message. Um, and next week, um, tune in, same time, same channel. Invite your friends here to the Healthy and Wealthy and Wise Facebook community. We have Teresa Pantella. Um, she's actually a Facebook ads. And it's the first person I've ever had that's going to be talking about Facebook ads and really seeing how that can help you boost your business and your wealth and your wisdom with excellence. So we'll see you guys next week. Until then, here's to your best health, your best wealth and your best wisdom. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, refer a friend, and please drop me a rating or a review. If you do that, I'll reward you with a free 20-minute free coaching session on crafting your journey to your best self. Reach out to me at lois at loiscofi.com to claim your 20-minute slot. Until next time, be healthy, wealthy, and wise.